Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets banned. This is episode 84, and tonight it's part one of a very special two-part summer fun episode. Ah, summer, what better time to get away from it all, to relax, have fun, and get your ass killed. Because we're taking a look at deadly vacations. Bah, bah, bah. So tonight, we have two brand new releases. First off, three lovely ladies run afoul. Three not-so-nice hunters who have very bad intentions for them in Black Rock. And then, the big box office number one hit at the moment, Ethan Hawk versus, well, everybody in The Purge. Why did I say that so weirdly? I don't know. Why do I say anything so weirdly? We may never know. I'll tell you what I do know. You better put on some sunblock, pack your bags, and make your final funeral arrangements because the show is about to start. Greetings from the cockpit, everyone. This is the host and captain of the Satersphere podcast with a special message just for you. I'm Sater69, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you. <laughs> the Satersphere podcast is the personal musings of a dirty old goat, namely me. Expect talk about theater, role-playing games, hockey, and my best friend down below, The Impaler. Also, join Patrick for his favorite segment, The Mystery Musical. There's a lot of scary shit on Broadway, trust me. So hopefully we'll hear you soon at the Seder Sphere. Until then, this is the Seder. Over and out. <laughs> Hello again, everyone. Oh, so wonderful as always to have you with me. You look good. I mean, like really good. Have you done something with your hair? <gasps> I don't know. You just have that wonderful glow about you. I don't know what it is. You're just gorgeous. That's what it is. All right, enough of my kissing ass. Let's get down to business because there's been all kinds of crazy stuff going on here, as always, and I want to share it with you. First of all, happy Pride Month to all my gays and lesbians and transgenders and all those other people as well, too. Yay! Happy Gay Pride even if you're not gay. Yay! First up, this is fun news. Our little neighborhood has gotten its first LGBT community network, you know, organization type thing, you know, for just hanging out in social events. It's called Sunnyside Out. And we went to their first little, you know, fun get together at a local bar and we met some lovely people and it's great and it's ballsy and it's about goddamn time. So I'm getting this off the bat right away. I would like Brendan and his husband, Tony, to come forward, please. Yeah, yeah. No, come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come forward. Brendan and Tony. I just want to say, for having the, the gumption and the gusto to put this group together, to give this neighborhood something that it really desperately needed right now. I've been saying it on this show for ages. This neighborhood has been getting gayer by the second. Anyway, for putting together Sunnyside Out and getting us all together, you, Brendan, and you, Tony, 
are the Scream Queens of the Week. Congratulations. Really, congratulations. Congratulations, congratulations. That's all you're getting. You might have heard that the Scream Queen of the Week gets a tiara. No, 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 no. They win a tiara, but they never actually get the tiara. You know, it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too. So you can win the tiara, but you can't have the tiara because all the tiaras are mine forever. Okay? Move along. No, no. Move along now. Mmm, look at them butts. Anyway. <laughs> so, going along with Queen's Pride, Pride in the borough of Queen's, Bradford and I went to our first Queen's Gay Pride Parade. Well, we didn't make it to the parade, but we went for the festivities afterwards, and it was good. It was good. Um, but a couple of things happened. They made it extra special. Uh, we went with Bradford's ex, who's still a friend, and a friend of mine as well, is named Daniel. And you might think, well, that's a little awkward, but, you know, I got over that ages ago. Bradford hasn't, because the two of us get together to talk about him, since that's all Daniel and I have in common is, is him. And he's like, y'all are talking about me. And we're like, well, duh. Poor little Bradford. But there's a strong Latin influence in Queens, so a lot of stuff is not in English, but that's fine. We're looking at all the booths and everything and looking at all the people and checking out who's who and who's wearing what and who's with who. And oh my God, all these people live here. Isn't this exciting? When all of a sudden, this woman approaches us. She looked like... I don't know, she had this big old floppy sun hat on, she had gigantic glasses on, this shapeless dress, and she's handing out pamphlets, and she came bolting over to the three of us, and she hands us this little tiny blue slip of paper, and she said, I am representing the asexual community, asexuals are a powerful part of it. No, I am not going to make fun of people who are asexual. Because, you know, it, it's a thing. It's a valid thing. You know, it's, it's people who are not sexually attracted to anyone who can do without sexual contact. They, uh, it doesn't mean they don't like to be loved or, you know, cuddled or kissed and stuff like that. Just sex doesn't hold much interest for them. However, <laughs> as Daniel pointed out, he's like, could they have picked a more terrifying representative of their community? And as he said, <laughs> I think the world is breathing in a sigh. And you see, I'm doing Bradford. He's like, well I, th- well, I think that the world is probably breathing a collective sigh of relief that that one is asexual. Not that she was ugly. She was scary. So the way she kind of hovered over in her big floppy hat and her shapeless dress. She kind of looked like Christine Redfern, guys. Guys. Guys, who are on my call that's going to be next week? She kind of looked like Christine Redfern, but hideous. And, well, not hideous, but she, she gave over a hideous vibe. She came over with a creepy voice. And then to add it all up, just like as we're dealing with the shock of that, we get hit from the other side by somebody else in the asexual program. And he's got all this long, frizzy, like, carrot top hair. And he got all the whispers in my ear. He's like, would you be interested in trying a receptive condom? And between the two of things, I was just like, ah, I just laid on the floor and I screamed for a while. What he was talking about was a female condom. There's nothing funny about that, except that we were getting forked on them. People were hand. I mean, I must have gone home with 85. No, I'm, count- I'm counting. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven female condoms. And I'm sure, I guess it's a valid alternative, but of course we found it hilarious. 
And Bradford and I got home and we're trying to read the instructions, which of course had no words, but were just like an Ikea bookshelf. You know, just pictures and pointing at arrows and some of them didn't make any sense. I'm like, wait a minute, am I just to understand like three inches of this is hanging out of you, of you at any time? And you're supposed to just keep pushing it in until it can't go anymore. And then what happens? I don't know what happens. It looks here, you're like spinning around. I don't know what's happening. Did we open one? No. I don't know why we kept them. They're still sitting on my desk. I don't know why I still have them. Would you like to try a receptive gun? No, I will not! Why are they receptive? I realize you're trying to get female out of the title so that guys will start putting them up their hoo-haws. But I, 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 talk about losing the spur of the moment. You know, people complain about regular condoms, but this one, I'm like, okay, hold on a second while I shove this all the way up here. By the way, you're going to have to help because I'm a guy and I'm not equipped for this, so I can't actually see what I'm doing. Can you please take a moment to shove this up my ass and, like, leave about three inches of, like, loose thing hanging out of my ass so it looks like my intestines are trying to poop themselves out of me? Okay, now let our romantic evening commence. Fail and fail. And the other thing that happened was just this all thing happened, boing, 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 three booths in a row. We stopped at whatever local chapter, whatever it was. We were, Daniel and I, because Bradford was running off being Bradford. Who knows what he was doing? He saw something flashy. And, of course, every booth is giving condoms and lube out the wazoo. And, like, I cannot possibly carry any more. I mean, I, I have more condoms than I could, like, any one person could use ever. Like, I can open up a condom emporium. Receptive and otherwise. Receptive. Isn't that the word they use for psychics? I don't need no psychic condom. Thank you. Thank you. I don't need no ghost whisperer condom all up in my ass. Okay, back to this story. But they just, like, okay, if you don't anyway, if we don't have, if you don't want any more condoms, how about some lube? And all of a sudden, they were making it rain into my hands with those little trial-sized packets of lube. Again, I'm like, what? kind of sex life do you think I have? Like, Daniel's looking at me like, wow, that was an avalanche of lube. And I'm like, yes, well, find me buried under an avalanche of lube with a pocket full of female condoms and I don't know what you're going to tell my mother. She's having enough trouble with my life as it is. But that's not the point right now. Queen's Pride, it was fun and it was fun. It was also fun too. So I want to tell you a couple of things, just a couple of quick things that are going on at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. For those of you who are new to the show, the Jekyll and Hyde Club is an interactive uh, theme restaurant, horror-themed restaurant in Times Square where I work on the entertainment staff. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I get to meet all kinds of crazy people. Now, they offer a membership program to patrons. You know, it's you You know, you pay – I really don't know how much it is to be a T-shirt, and you get, like, I don't know, discounts and stuff, and you can cut the line whenever you want. Whatever. I don't know why they do it. They just do it, okay? It's not really the point, but there's this little girl. I've talked about her before. She's about six. She's the one who asked me if I needed to have my anal glands expressed. Remember that? Remember that? I brought that up in the last episode. Well, she's a member now. And she comes in with her dad all the time. So we're like, we're like Paisan now, you know? We're like brothers, except she's a girl. So that was a really not normal reference for me to make whatsoever. But that's not the point right now. She told me a joke. I see her and I'm like, hey, Katie, how's it going today? Because, you know, that's how I talk. You know, I'm all Brooklyn when I'm there because everybody else is British for some reason. I'm like, fuck it, I'm not doing British. I'm going to do the actual opposite. I'm going to low class. That's not the point. And I'm like, hey, Katie, what's going on with you? And she's like, hey, it's Mr. Plummet. Yeah. And she says, I learned a new joke for you. And I said, great, what's the joke? No, I can't tell it to you. Oh, come on. No, I can't tell it to you. Oh, come on. This went on for about three hours, but finally she decides to tell me the joke. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Um, what's, wait, 
What's the difference between karate and judo? And I thought about it hesitantly. And then I cautiously responded, uh, I don't know, what? What's the difference between karate and judo? And little Miss Katie looked at me with her little six-year-old eyes and said, Um, karate is a highly skilled martial art and judo is what you make bagels out of. Mama fell out. I'm not exaggerating. I actually laid down on the carpet of the Jekyll and Hyde Club and I tried to breathe for quite some time. It was shocking. Coming from a six-year-old. And I'm looking at her dad going, I know she got it from you. She got it from you. She learned it from watching you. And I came back up. I kind of slung my arms over the top of the bench. You know, so I just got my head over it like Kilroy. And I look at her dad and I'm going, you know, Mr. Katie's dead. I got to say, part of me really wants to be offended by that story that you just told and stuff. However, the other part of my brain is going, well, actually, that's really correct. That is what you make bagels out of. What else are you got to make it out of? You make bagels out of judo. Hey! So that happened. Now, let's cut over to the Ryan case, shall we? Now, for those of you who don't know, the Ryan case is an interactive murder mystery show that I've been doing for the past four years on the streets of New York. A listener, Lauren, got to come see it this last time. I'm not talking about that yet. Lauren, honey, keep your, keep your, keep your, keep your face on your skull. How about that? Okay. We're getting actually we're getting ready for a performance of it. We're putting our costumes on, and everybody's telling whatever's going on during the week. And I told that joke, and then I got it from a six-year-old, and everyone was laughing, and they were amazed that I got it from a six-year-old. Now our stage manager says, "He's like, okay, okay, for a six-year-old that was pretty amazing because this is normally the kind of joke that a six-year-old tells." Now I want you all out there to play along with me, okay? Okay, y'all ready? Because I need your participation in this. <clears throat> knock, knock. Eat mop. Ew, you want me to eat your poo? Ew, that's so gross. I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that one, too. I appreciate both those incredibly stupid jokes. Then I was told. I also appreciate that for some reason in the intonation of this particular joke. That the, the knocker is somehow southern because he's like, eat my poo. Not eat my poo. It's, eat, it's Bradford. He's like, eat my poo. So I, I think that's funny. Anyway, Lauren came to see the show. Listener Lauren, yay! She came with her friend Anna, and she had a good time, especially since she got to be an ambassador to Dubai. <laughs> she had a couple of difficult people in the group that she walked around on the streets with getting clues from us, but that's not the point. So we got to hang out afterwards for a little bit. And uh, have a beer or not a beer, or she, you know, because she doesn't drink. But you know, whatever. I was having a beer. I was drinking freely, and you know, we were just swapping stories. And she says to me, she's like, you know what? I took the subway over here, and your subway cars are different than the ones at home because yours just line up against the walls. You know, I mean, the seats in the cars—they're—they're they're just flat against the walls. There's no rows of seats. I said, uh huh. She goes. You weren't kidding. I said, about what? She's like, flip-flops. Because if you know, people don't know by now, I fucking hate flip-flops. I hate them. I hate them in the city. They're disgusting. They're gross. You walk around all day. Your toes get dirty. Everybody knows this stuff. 
But Lauren says, it's absolutely true, because with the seats facing each other like this on opposite sides of the car, if you're trapped against somebody, across from somebody, with gross, nasty, gnarly, dirty, toenail, fungi, athlete's foot, mangled ass, misshapen feet, you've got nowhere else to look. You're just forced to stare at them. The entire time. And the more you try to look away, the more they keep calling to you. I said, welcome to my nightmare, Lauren. Welcome to my nightmare. But it was great to finally meet you, Lauren. We've passed ways a couple of times and it never really connects. But it did this time. And that was cool. Really cool. What wasn't cool was what happened at the following performance of the Ryan case. Because in addition to our regular Saturday performances, we do special groups. Uh, normally for schools, um, mostly from out of town. But this time we had a whole bunch of school kids from the block, from the Bronx. And when I say a whole bunch, I mean about 200. Which is a lot. Because if you, if you don't know, it's out on the street. You know, we break people into groups. So, But it's when it's these youth groups, you know, it's one of us versus them. How many number are in their group? You know, it might be 10, it might be 20. But it's crowd control. There was no controlling this crowd. There were too many of them. There's only seven of us. And there wasn't enough to go around. And I didn't see a teacher in the bunch. And it got scary. I mean, just because we could not... They were running everywhere. We couldn't control them. Like, these were missing groups. Like, groups just took off. And went to McDonald's and disappeared. And, you know, we're kind of responsible because there's no fucking teacher here. So we're all panicking. And it was scary. It was the worst show. For some reason, I don't know, we were doing it on... I I, I don't know. We almost died for several reasons. Because of traffic, almost getting run over by a truck. That almost ran over us during the deliberation scene, which we're doing outside, Lauren. Because that's how we do it when we have a group. And these kids were animals. 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 And after the show, we all go back to Carlo's apartment. Oh, by the way, Lauren, this was great, too. Lauren says to me when I meet her, she goes, because uh, Carlo, our director, came over and said hi. And after he left, she goes, is that the same Carlo who, when you went to that haunted house, kept putting his penis in your ear? And I said, yes, Lauren, that is him. Thank you for remembering. That is like a two-year-ago callback. And if you don't know what she's talking about, too fucking bad. You know, my director put his dick in my ear, and I paid $15 to have him do it. Don't ask. Don't ask. Because that's the point right now. We go back after this hard show. It was 9,000 degrees on top of it. We're wearing three layers of wool in 95-degree heat with, like, 95% humidity. And we're just back changing in this stunned silence and people just leaving in misery and there's a couple of us left and somebody in the cast somebody involved in the production I'm not going to say who says you know I was kind of anticipating this being a bad day so does anyone want to smoke a little pot now of course I immediately said no I don't do that sort of thing I've said that a million times on this show I do not do drugs I do not smoke pot but let's imagine that it did (laughs) So this imaginary me says, sure. <laughs> and I know uh, I know, imaginary me is a lightweight. So imaginary me just has a puff or two and goes on his merry way. And as I'm leaving, I said, well, great. By the time I get back to Queens, that should be just about the time that the munchies hit. And that wasn't exactly true. I got back to Queens. It was fine. It seemed to take three hours. 
It didn't take three hours, but it was a nice, comfortable, hazy three hours. I'm like, I'm on the train. Chug, chug, choo, choo, chug, chug, choo, choo. Is that my stop? Is that my... No? Chug, chug, choo, choo, chug, chug, choo, choo. But when I got off the train, I was indeed hungry. Now, it was not Munchie's hungry. It's just that it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon now, and I haven't had lunch because the show ran like two hours over because we had to wrangle all these monsters. And so I stop at Burger King before I go home because I knew there was nothing in the house. And I'm ordering, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to have two of the grilled honey mustard chicken wraps, and I'm going to have a small soda, and if I can get a value order of onion rings. No, wait, wait, wait. Make that two orders of onion rings. No, wait. Three orders of No, we should just make it two. No, three. Definitely three orders of onion rings. Small. Well, could you just get the large? Would you just like the large one? I'm like, no, no, I'll just have three small ones. Yeah, three, three small. Don't. Yeah, three small ones. And then I'm like, okay, that just happened. It's happening now. It's happening. And as I'm waiting for my order to be filled, in Burger King, they also sell Cinnabon. So I um, realized at a certain point as I'm waiting for my food that I've been staring at the Cinnabon display. With all those sweet cinnamon, all those thick, dense, deliciously gross pastries just in there looking at me, and I'm looking at them. And I said, oh shit, here we go. Because let me tell you something, I don't even like Cinnabon. I, you know, I don't even know if I like Cinnabon. I have never had a Cinnabon in my life, nor do I want to. They don't look appealing to me, but they did that day. I mean, if that had actually happened, which it didn't. So Bradford and I got to go to the theater. Bradford and I got to see an off-Broadway show called Murder Ballad. And it is fantastic. Now, Murder Ballad is a rock opera. And so if you don't know what a murder ballad is, murder ballad is a, is a genre of song that goes back you know, hundreds of years that usually involves... Some sort of a love triangle that ends in murder. There's usually no moral to the story. It's just the story. Something like uh, Hang Down Your Head Tom Dooley or uh, Frankie and Johnny were lovers or even Copacabana are all murder ballads. There's plenty of other examples. And this show tells you right up front, like, this is a murder ballad, which means that people are going to fall in love and somebody in this room is gonna die, but they don't tell you who. And it's really cool because they converted the theater space into like a bar. It, it, it just is really casual. There's tables set up everywhere. It's like a club and people are singing on your tables and it was really powerful and really fun. I kind of guessed the ending and what I thought was great was that just right from the beginning, there was a baseball bat sitting on the pool table and it kept moving around. And I said, clearly, when the murder happens, that baseball bat is gonna be what's dealing out the dish. And... I was right. Now, realize that I record these things out of order, so I've actually recorded my reviews already. So just remember this. The bat was used, and when I'm talking about cookies later, remember this moment. This is a good example. The cookies are not. Example of what, Patrick? What are you talking about? Are you still high? No, because I don't do drugs. I don't do drugs. I don't do drugs. However, when I'm feeling a little depressed, I might take a little fresca and throw it on a panty shield and woo, you can just disco all night. Yay, let's go, let's go. That's a Joan Rivers joke. Okay, but here's the thing that happened. Now, I had my knapsack with me. Little, you know, my little 
backpack thing. And at some point before, during intermission, it tipped over without my noticing. And its contents started spilling out. And the contents were those 2,000 little teeny tiny filed wrap packages of sample lube that I had gotten at the Pride Parade two days before. And they were just flowing, 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 flowing out of the bag and under the chair of the people in front of me. And I didn't know until the nice lady in front of me turned around with a fistful of lube and said, Are these yours? That's a callback. And second of all, a fistful of lube, worst Clint Eastwood movie ever. Ever! But the thing that is also cool about Murder Ballad was that Bradford says to me during the opening number, he goes, this music sounds like the Buffy musical episode, which it kind of did. And I thought that was really cool, especially since as he said that, I realized we're sitting right across from Danny Strong, who played Jonathan on Buffy. And I was like, whoa, you weren't in the musical episode, Jonathan, because you were dead by then. But that's not the part right now. I was like, wow. I hope this doesn't mean that this show is going to suck because last time I saw him at a show, the show really sucked, but that didn't happen. And you know what? I've been talking for a really long time. You're like, what? Is this airplane stuck at the gate or some shit? Are we cleared for takeoff yet? Fine. Put your trays in the upright position. Shut the fuck up. Put your seatbelts on and put your vomit bag over your head because I don't want to hear your crap anymore. Because the show's about to begin. Finally, vacation from hell. We're going to stop at a little island called Black Rock. Now, I was fortunate to get to go to a private screening of this just before it opened, courtesy of the folks, freakily enough, at Drunken Zombie. Apparently, they've been getting a lot of stuff from movie promoters, and the screenings are in New York City. So they're like, hello, we're in the middle of nowhere, Peoria. And so they kindly enough forwarded them to me, which was really super sweet of them. So Bradford and I got to go see a private screening of Black Rock. Let's take a listen to the trailer. We're here. I'm happy, man. You know, I'm happy. We're going to go out to the island. We'll reconnect. It'll be so awesome. Yay! Happy. 
gonna be so good, guys. Just the three of us. So what are you girls doing out here anyways? Nobody comes out here anymore. Uh, you're lucky you didn't get shot. I think I know that guy. We went to grammar school with your older brother, Jimmy. Oh, oh okay, Henry. yeah. I think uh, Jim had a crush on you back then. So, you guys want to join us, maybe? So where do you guys all know each other from? I like your beard. She is friendly. That is something that she is. You have this whole look going on. Abby. You're married. I don't want you to worry about it. He's so cute. How are you? I'm fine, right? Yeah, I'm not fine. I'm not a tight bit. No. Oh, God. You all right? Just get off me for a second. You want to have fun? Get off me, Henry. What'd you do to him? What happened? What happened? Is he hurt? No. Get your gun. What? You gotta tie up three girls to a tree to kill them. Do you think I'm scared of you? We came out here to hunt. We'll just hunt them down. They're gonna kill us. They're gonna kill us. They're gonna kill us. We are on a small island. We need to get off. We need to figure out what to do. We stop being stopped. And we start stalking. You thought you had to do in order to survive. We can do this. We have to. So the story of Black Rock is pretty much all in the trailer there. Three childhood friends are reuniting for the first time in years, and to celebrate, they're going off to a childhood hangout of theirs, which is this isolated island that they used to play on when they were kids. And while they're there, they run into three hunters. And, you know, being three swinging gals on a gal's weekend, they're like, hey, why don't you guys hang with us? Things go very, very bad, and before you know it, kaboomy! Our three leading ladies are running for their lives because they are being hunted like game. The most dangerous game, perhaps. <gasps> oh. <gasps> now, BlackRock has got a limited release, and it's available on video on demand. And I wish I could say better things about it. It's not bad. It just doesn't go far enough anywhere into anything. And I'm, I'm not even saying, like, in the intensity level, because I... All right, let me start over. The three girls are extremely likable. Okay, the three actresses, uh, Katie Bell, who I really loved in A Good Old Fashioned Orgy, which is a movie and not an actual orgy that I was at, uh, Katie Asselton, who also directed, and Kate Bosworth. I like them. I buy their friendship, and I buy the feuding that's going on between them. There's some tensions between Lake Bell and Katie Asselton's character. And I do actually just want them to have a good time, but they're really developed. Great. The problem is the hunters are not. At all. There's one of them in particular, the, the black hunter, who is a cipher. He, he doesn't actually do anything. He sits off on the side, smokes a lot of dope at the, around the campfire, and then kind of follows the surviving hunter around, going, yeah, man, I don't think we should do this, but not really contributing or stopping anything. So he's just kind of a cipher, and the other one's just flat out crazy. The other one died really quickly because what happened at the campfire, you see, 
Abby, who's played by Kate Asselton, she's got some bug up her craw. She's been in a feud with Lake Bell's character, Lou, for quite some time, for some years, and we don't know why for the longest time. And it keeps coming up at really inopportune times, and they forgive each other for whatever happened how many years ago, and then, undoubtedly, within five minutes... Abby's bringing it up again. And you're never really finding out what it was. I turned to Bradford at this point and I said, okay, which one's Coco Montrese and which one is Alyssa Edwards? Because I'm getting really tired of this really quickly. And when you find out what it is, you're like, oh, okay, great. So when we're going into this campfire with these three guys, it turns out Abby's got an agenda. She's out to get drunk and she wants to, She's even though she's forgiven her a hundred times, she's still got a grudge against Lou. And she's also got some beef about her husband that we don't know about. So she is throwing herself at one of these guys. The cute one, he's got a little beard. She keeps petting him like, oh, this is so cute. I love it so much. It's so cute. Meanwhile, he's trying to have a conversation with the other two girls about normal things and she will not keep her hands, mouth, everything off of him. They're high. They're drinking. And she's mauling him and it's really embarrassing for everybody there. And you can see that there's a battle going on. The guy, the bearded guy, seems to be taking a liking to Lou, which of course makes Abby throw herself at him even harder. And it gets really hard to watch, which is what it's supposed to do. And what all this is leading up to is that she finally gets this guy alone in the woods. And she's throwing herself at him, like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then at the last minute, I don't really know what happens, but she changes her mind. She's like, ah, you know what? Never mind. And it's about that abrupt. And she winds up, he, he, he almost rapes her. He freaks out and almost rapes her. And to defend herself, she hits him with a rock and he dies. This is all in the trailer, by the way. So I'm not spoiling anything. And when the others find out that the guy is dead, his buddies are like, ah, we will have revenge and we will hunt you like dirty pig people. I don't know why he turned into Arnie. And what happens is, it's kind of like deliverance, but with chicks. And I don't want to demean it that way, even though I just did. But it it, it never really ratchets up. And I, I don't know. I can't really explain it. There were parts of it that were great. The location is great. The, 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 the photography is great. There's a great scene with the two surviving girls. I'm not saying who, even though you could probably figure it out from the trailer are naked. They've had to shed their clothing because they were had to jump in the ocean and it is freezing. The water is like just above freezing. And you know, they're turning blue, so they have to take off their clothes to stay warm and they're huddling naked. And eventually they get they find a hunting knife and they're sharpening sticks. And they are silent and they're just hunkering down butt naked in the woods with mud all over them, carving out little primitive weapons. And I said, Wow, these girls just went crow magnon. And I thought we were moving on to something. Like they were reverting into a you know deeper, more primal stage. But it didn't really go that way. And like I said, if I understood where anybody was coming from, I might have cared more. And that's when you got to the final battle. It was good. But then it was over and you're like, that was good. Dot, dot, dot. And the thing is, there were things that could have been raised in this. And that's kind of what I was disappointed in. Because... There is no excuse for rape. Right. I will say that. I'm saying that right up front. However, Abby's behavior is appalling beforehand. She makes 
an object of this man. She, this man has become a pawn in this silent war that, she, that he doesn't even know he's a part of, you know, between uh, Abby and Lou and Abby and her husband. And it's really, really, really unsettling to watch her do this. You know, there comes a point where she goes into the woods. He's trying to have a conversation, and she literally has her clothes off and is like, whoa, shaking her titties. In the woods, she will not relent until he goes in the woods and has sex with her. And as soon as he gets there, she's like, nah. Is that an excuse for rape? No. But the thing is, it turns out all these guys just got discharged from the army and not favorably. They had just had three consecutive deployments in Iraq. They have seen horrible things and apparently have done some horrible things. And had she shut up at any point and listened to the conversation that was going on around her, she would have known, maybe I shouldn't play with this guy. Maybe I shouldn't play whatever freaking game I'm doing with this guy. Did she get what she deserved? No. But you know, this all could have, you know, there's a certain amount of responsibility that I felt should have been placed on her. Not for the rape exactly, but for everything that happened after you know her behavior really is what caused all of this but you know that didn't happen a lot of that didn't happen and unfortunately it just goes it makes a good sunday rental it's not awful like i said i there were some suspenseful moments and the scenery is great and i really liked the three girls despite what i said about abby i liked the character even though she's flawed i just didn't like how things played out with her so black rock eh, you can see it you cannot see it but the funny thing was when i told bradford I'm like, oh, honey, I got passes to a free screening, private screening tonight of a movie called Black Rock. And he went, all right. And we got there, because that's how we move around when we're in the city. We got there. We got the press pass. Uh, not the press pass. The press packet when we walked in. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, Black Rock. And I said, yeah. He's like, oh, that's not what I thought you said what the title was. I said, what did you think the title Bradford, we're not going to see a movie called Black Cock, okay? It's not going to happen. And he said, well, good. <laughs> I was wondering how you got passes for this kind of a film. But anyway, Black Rock, see it or don't, I don't care. One vacation down, another vacation yet to come. upcoming movie may not exactly fit into the category of deadly vacations. Well, I took a little liberty with it. I'm including it in honor of that ridiculous thing created by the recent economic depression, and that would be the staycation. So this would be a deadly staycation, and the movie I'm talking about 
is The Purge. This movie hit number one last week, so I must kind of have something else to talk about. That wasn't even a sentence. So I think I better get my words together and let's just take a listen to the trailer. Thank you, sir. Tonight allows people a release for all the hatred and violence that they keep up inside them. Why don't you guys kill someone tonight? Because we don't feel the need to, Johnny. Just remember all the good the purge does. We'll be fine just like always, no worries, okay? Emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, all emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. Help me! Someone, please, help me! I just need to get someone safe. Did anybody hear me? Let him in our home. We have no idea who's after him. Our target for this year's purge is hiding in your home. You have one hour to find him and give him to us, or we'll kill all of you. They can't get in here, right? They can't get into our home. as you can tell from the trailer, is a story of a dystopic future. It's 2022, I believe, and there's a new government running the United States. The new government founded by the new founding fathers. Not the founding fathers, the new founding fathers. And it seems to be extremely successful. Everything is going great so well that these people are pretty much worshipped, these new founding fathers. And their big concept for keeping the peace and keeping the economy great was the purge. You know, you already heard this on the trailer. You know, for 12 hours once a year, everybody gets to run around and do whatever the hell they want to people that they want to do it to. Now, let me tread carefully here. My friend Robert, he writes reviews. I read his review of this movie long after I saw it. Uh, I got to see it through a free screening with uh, Rich and the people at the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group. And if you're in New York and not a member, go look it up already. Jeez. But that's not the point right now. Robert had mentioned that this movie had lofty ambitions. And he respected the fact that even though it didn't meet them, at least it tried. I have a similar, but not quite the same take on it. Not quite so positive. Now, in The Purge, they introduce a lot of interesting things. Well, first of all, it focuses on one family in particular, the family of Ethan Hawke and his wife, Lena Headley, and they're really obnoxious kids, and they're living the high life. He sells the alarm systems that are keeping everybody safe. So he's making, he's learned how to cash in on the purge. And he's the best of what he does. He is the highest ranking salesman, I think, in the whole country. So, you know, the purge has been really, really good for him. Now, 
He lives in this beautiful, exclusive, gated community with beautiful Stepford Wife people strolling all about, happy all the time, greeting each other with big smiles. And when you part ways, you say, safe night instead of good night, because this is a night that you are hopefully not going to have anything bad happen to you. And like I said, it introduces a lot of interesting concepts, because somewhere along the way, um, a naysayer against the purge is heard on TV saying that we're just using this as an excuse to murder the lower classes, the poor, the impoverished, the infirm. There is no unemployment and there is no poverty because we've killed them all. Okay, that's an interesting idea. Also interesting is that this is set in 2022, so this is less than 10 years from now. It's nine years. This is a radical change to American government, and it seems like everyone has accepted it really, really easily. I find that a little hard to swallow. If they had set it just 10 years further down the line, I might have been able to buy this, but I stepped back and said, you know what, forget it. It's an alternate universe. Let's do that. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But then the lockdown happens. The shutters come up, the alarm systems are loaded, and <sighs> Ethan Hawke's son decides to let somebody in. Yeah. Can we talk about this kid? This kid has to be the most annoying child character that I've seen in recent film. I, I, I don't know how long. I don't know how long it's been since I've seen a child this annoying. He even just looks annoying. He's got a stupid doughy face and long stupid hair. And a lot of times he's wearing these sunglasses. Well, actually, they're like Google glasses because it's the future. But when he's got them on, even when he doesn't have them on, he looks like Corey Feldman does now. And Corey Feldman is a douche. So I'm looking at this kid and immediately equating him with douche. And then it turns out he is a douche. Because guess what? The Purge is a this one bitch movie. And this kid is that one bitch. Everything bad happens because of him. Because of his decision to let somebody in the house after the Purge has started. Now why this kid had the shutdown code is beyond me. But he did. Why nobody was watching anybody. I don't know. Everybody, the purge started. Everybody went to different parts of that. I don't know. It was weird. I didn't buy it. But yeah, he sees there's a homeless guy getting beaten up outside. Well, actually, no, he's not getting beaten up. He's just screaming for help, and he's bloodied and battered. He's like, please, please, won't let somebody let me in. Please, please, they're going to kill me. They're coming. He's black. So that's why I'm doing that voice. Because that's it's a racial element, too. Because not only is he homeless, he's black. He never has a name at any point. But anyway, the kid lets him in. And that boy dooms everybody for the rest of the movie. Because this man is not kidding. He is being hunted. And he's being hunted by those figures that you see in the trailer. Those scary, masked figures with the huge, creepy grins on them. And this is where something else interesting happens. And yeah, they're hunting him because he's homeless. But the thing is, they ring the doorbell. Well, I should say their leader rings the doorbell. And he's extremely polite. He's extremely well-spoken, and as he's speaking, I'm realizing all of these people outside are dressed in suits and, and little dresses. I'm like, that's, that's weird. They're awfully dressed up to be doing this. And this was really scary, because at a certain point, he's explaining, listen, just throw him out. Let us do what we need to do. Let us unleash our beast, which I believe is also the Mountain Dew slogan, something like that. I don't know. Or Cheetos, maybe. I think it's Cheetos. Unleash the beast. It's Cheetos. Right, so this movie is like basically a big corporate plug for Cheetos because that's the whole point of the purchase to unleash your beast. Anyway, he's like, let us go. I know you're good followers 
of the purge and your supporters because you have the special flowers out in front and blah, 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 blah. So please let them out. Otherwise, we're going to have to bust into your house and kill all of you. Sometime during this, he takes his mask off. And what was terrifying about this was that his face pretty much looked exactly like the mask. Exactly. Perfect features, chiseled, and a smile that's just way too wide. I said, that's a really interesting thing. And as I'm watching scenes with these people outside the house trying to get in the house, it dawns on me that they're not wearing suits and little dresses. No, 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 no. They're wearing uniforms. They're wearing their prep school uniforms. These are the kids that have grown up with The Purge, that have never known anything but The Purge, and have completely embraced and bought into The Purge without any qualms whatsoever. So yeah, they're blatantly out there hunting homeless people and people that they don't like because according to them and according to the, the new founding fathers, what they're doing is patriotic. By unleashing that beast and you know against whoever is giving you anger, you are helping the country. And blessed are you. Again, this was interesting. The problem is, as Robert said, this movie had a lot of ambitions. I agree. It introduced a lot of ideas that I wanted to chew over. There was a lot of history that I wanted to know about The Purge. And I said, no, I'm not really concerned about that. You could do that in a sequel or something. I don't really care. But it introduced all these things. It had lofty ambitions. And then it doesn't just not hit them. It shies away from them. Because when the action gets going, it goes into cliche territory to the point our audience was groaning out loud repeatedly. This is the press audience. This is like horror fans in general. This is the meetup group. And as, as a whole, people were not happy with this movie because the bad, sadly, outweighed the good. There's a lot of action in this that's really intense. There's a lot of scenes that are gripping and suspenseful. But the problem is almost every time they're diffused with something absolutely stupid. You know that whole trick? You see it a lot in action movies, or usually when the last person's standing on a cop drama, you know, when the, when the killer's got, you know, I don't know, Columbo, I don't know, who's something more modern, Castle. Somebody, the, the killer's got Castle and his, his, you know, detective girlfriend in their sights, and he's about to shoot them, and he's, the trigger is starting to squeeze, and somebody pops up from the side and shoots them, and saves the day. That happens in this movie six separate times. So after a certain point, I'm like, could you just stop doing this? Could you stop standing over somebody with a gun or a machete or a knife and just standing there? Because I know by now someone's going to pop up and shoot you from the side because you've done it repeatedly. Also, I'm not sure if all of you are familiar with the concept of Deus Ex Machina. That's Latin or Greek. Well, it comes from Greek theater, so I don't know why they'd use Latin. But I don't know. Let's just say it's a foreign language. It's an ancient language. And it's in reference to um, theater. Now, in the early tragedies and stuff, you know, back in Greek and Roman theater, when they're doing everything on mask, they didn't have the whole, like, story arc thing down yet. So a lot of times, the problem would little, literally be solved by a sword, a sword, a sword or something, being delivered to someone directly from the gods. And that's what you need to save the day. And Deus Ex Machina means machine of the gods or device of the gods or something like that and it becomes it's become a term throughout the years to mean this is something that just conveniently pops up at the last minute and saves the day in a somewhat ridiculous manner and we've got one here and it's a robot it's a robot named timmy the kid has a robot named timmy and we spend more fucking time with timmy timmy 
And I'm like, oh my God, Johnny Five just saved the day. If it was Johnny Five from, you know, Short Circuit, it would have been awesome, but it wasn't. It was a stupid robot from this stupid douche kid whose fault everything was anyway. Fuck you, kid. Fuck you, not Corey Feldman, kid. Eat my dick. And I've talked about this on the show before. Now I'm on a roll. Now I'm getting angry. There's a certain screenwriting principle or, or you know, script writing principle. I, I forget who said it. I might have been Stanislavski. I don't know. He said, if you have somebody handling a shotgun in Act 1, it needs to be fired by the end of Act 3. Now, in this movie, there's a scene early on. Uh, Lena Headley, Hetty, sorry, is, you know, greeted by one of her neighbors. And this woman is like, again, Stepford Wife Manic, huge fake smile. Oh, hi. Are you ready for the purge? Are you coming? Would you like to come to our purge party? You can't. Oh, we're so sorry. Hey, you know what? Some of us were joking. Big smile. That, you know, that new addition that you put on your house. All of us in the neighborhood paid for that beautiful, huge addition to your house. Your house is the biggest house in the whole neighborhood now because we all bought your husband's alarm system. <laughs> and look at how big and beautiful your house is. Oh, hey, why don't you take these cookies for your whole family to eat during the purge? Now, during this, another neighborhood couple happened to stop by and like, hi, you ready for everything? You need anything? And... Lena Hetty's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think we want the cookies. Why don't you give them to the Johnsons, the people in the car? And the manic woman goes, the Johnsons don't need any more cookies. These cookies are for you. Big plastic smile. Please take them and eat them during the purge. And of course, I'm looking at Bradford going, don't eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookies. And for a good portion of Act 1, you know, whatever the first reel of this movie, you're tracking the progression of these cookies throughout the house. I'm like, someone's going to eat that cookie. What's in the cookie? What's in the cookie? And it became a joke after a while that nothing was happening with the cookie. Anything, somebody was bet- <laughs> somebody was threatening somebody. I'm like, give him a cookie. I'll shut up and eat a cookie. Those cookies never came back. And it wasn't just us. We talked about it afterwards with a whole bunch of other people, people we knew, people we didn't know. Everybody was like, what was up with those fucking cookies? We know damn well that they're poison. Don't introduce poison cookies and have them sit there in view the entire movie and have nobody eat them. Or anything happen with them the entire movie. It pissed me off. It pissed me the piss off. The other thing that pissed me off was how they handled the moral dilemma of the whole thing. Do they give the guy up or do they not? They have so many convenient or inconvenient, depending on how you look at it, changes of heart at the worst possible times. Everyone will be on board one way or the other, and someone will be a holdout. Eh. And then they'll, okay, fine. We'll keep him. And then something will happen. They'll be like, no, let's throw him out. No, let's keep him. No, let's throw him out. And it got really tiring. And it got to the point where they were wheeling him out. And the person who just got convinced everybody to wheel him out because he's in a chair. Shout out to a chair. Wheel him out and throw him out to the bad people outside. When the person who introduced that idea goes, wait, we can't do this. And there was a groan from the whole audience because we're just tired of getting played with. But this is a problem with the movie as a whole because the characters in it don't behave like human beings at all. These, these changes of heart that I mentioned, they're not really coming from anywhere. They're just having these massive character changes internal character changes to suit the story, to suit the next chapter of the story. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's really, really amateurish and irritating. There was too much of this robot business that just was silly. 
This robot camera enough nonsense with douche kid who sat in a closet and played with himself the whole movie. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. No, you think I'm kidding? You seriously think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Because, you know, they let the guy in the house, they let the strange man in the house, and now once, you know, they're freaking out because there's a strange man in their house during the purge, and now they're chasing him around the house. And then when the other people show up and say, hey, throw him out of the house because we want to kill him or else we're going to kill all of you. They're like, ah, we got to find him. Now there's this whole, like, frantic search through the house and everyone's got weapons and guns and shit except for douche kid who goes and hides in the closet to play with his robot. I just dropped my fork because that's how mad I am. You left this guy in the house and you're like, eh, my family could deal with it. I'm going to sit in my closet and play with my robot. La, 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 Die. 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 Cut your hair. Die. <sighs> and he doesn't, dick. And then when it ended, you know, there's a big twist in the end. Twist, kind of, sort of, but then everybody who paid attention to that scene with the cookies already knew this was coming. Semi-spoiler. And then it was acting like, oh, aren't you shocked? And nobody was shocked. And it was just, it's such a disappointment. There's so many good things about this movie. There were so many great ideas that it just makes me wonder what happened to the second half. It just turns into abject silliness. There's some great ghoulish imagery, some great goosebumpy moments in the first half, but once it gets into the action nonsense, it's, it's, it's commando. You know, the cheesy one-liners start too, and I'm like, I'm out. This is dumb. You introduced lofty ideas, and now we're into Freddy one-liners. But anyway, it was the number one movie, so maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, though. And I hope you didn't waste your money on it. Or if you did waste your money on it, I'd like to know what you thought of it. So please call in let me know. Rail at me. Or even better, praise me. Praise me for my wise assessment of The Purge. And let me tell you something. I'm not even on my computer right now. I'm on Bradford's computer because I don't know what's been going on with my thing lately. Not my thing, but my computer. Shut up. Lately. Because I can't, every time I start Audacity, every time I said, I am ready to record this show now, some bullshit happens with Audacity or my computer and the microphone doesn't work or whatever. And now here I am again, sitting at Bradford's computer and girl, I am ready to purge. I'm ready to purge all over Thumbun's face right now, which reminds me, I'm looking forward to the porn spoof of the purge. Think about it. Unleash the beast. Vanessa from Queens. Um, hey, neighbor. I don't talk too long as is because I know I can ramble. Anyway, uh, I want to say that I stumbled upon Screen Queens at the beginning of April and have loved it ever since. Yay! Catching up on back episodes, probably up to 64 right now. Oh, wow. But I wanted to tell you um, about the latest episode when you're talking about, well, the Dance of the Dead, Zombie Problem, and all of that. But you mentioned this movie from, I guess it's 79, called The Legacy. 
Yeah. That movie freaked me out so much <laughs> when I was a kid. I'm only, I guess, a couple years younger than you, and <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I somehow sneaked the peek of it, late-night TV, uh-huh. and I guess maybe I, I wasn't even 10 at the time. Yes. And for years, I could the swimming pool thing, I could not... I was already kind of scared of water because I nearly drowned taking swimming lessons. Long story. But then to see that whole thing where the woman's like swimming and gets trapped, you know, it's like glass all of a sudden at the top Mm -hmm. of the pool. Freaked me, freaked me the fuck out. All I can say. Uh, Anyway, I've been uh, catching up on a lot of movies lately. Finally saw VHS, which was awesome. And I can't wait to see VHS too. Um, Tonight, my girlfriend and I are going to see um, The Purge, which... Oh. Um, one of my other uh, screen queens oh. pals uh, says is a pretty pretty good actually. So, no. anyway, um, review to follow. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let you guys know I love the show. Hello to you, Mr. Brad, and the feline friends. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Vanessa, sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. I'm so sorry I was not able to save you in time from the purge. Actually, you won't hate it. I was just very, very disappointed. As you know, I've already gone on about it for 20 minutes. So don't start again, Patrick. God. So hi, neighbor. Another Queens gal. I'm so excited. So I have a new listener. Who's it, neighbor? And she's also a first-time caller. Yay! Ooh, I haven't been able to do one of these in a long time. That felt good. That felt good. Yeah, the legacy. I'm sure by this point, you know, I covered that movie at some point. I think I've I think it was way before 69, <laughs> but, <laughs> or 64, whatever number you're up to, doesn't matter, it's 69 now, but, uh, yeah, it's got some great imagery, the movie's not great, but that one haunts me, haunts me, and I'm glad to know I'm not alone in that piece of childhood scarring, thank you, HBO, thank you very much, I'm um, glad you liked VHS, I had my problems with it, I thought it but, you know, you'll find out about that soon enough. I didn't hate it, but I was very disappointed. A couple of segments I thought were great. But, again, everyone else is like, yeah, yeah, we know. We've heard this, Patrick. But you know what? Vanessa hasn't, so just simmer down. Simmer down. She's the only voicemail I got this week. If you got a problem about me talking to Vanessa, then maybe you should have called in, bitches. Yeah, that shut you up. All right, you know, like I said, when uh, you've only got one voicemail and you've started berating the rest of your listeners for not calling in, perhaps it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. Now, if you want to be like Vanessa and call in and make the... Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Not so fast, you sneaky, sneaky, sneaky little people. You thought you were getting out early? Fail. No, because I just remembered I got an email. I got an email from my new friend, Tony. Tony the Cuddly Tiger, which is my favorite kind of tiger. Because uh, the, the regular kinds kind of, you know, well, they're, they're not so cool. Forget it. But anyway, he wrote and he said, Hi, Patrick. I apologize if you get multiple copies of this message, but I was having trouble with the email address. Believe me, everybody is. Lately, there's something very wrong with this email, but that's not the point right now. Tony continues. I'm a new listener of your awesome show. I get it via podcast feed on my iOS device, which is a BlackBerry, I think, right? BlackBerry, who cares? Anyway, uh, anyway, I want to tell you how much I enjoy your show. You're very funny and have just the right amount of obnoxiousness to be fun. Thanks, I think. No, seriously, thanks. (laughs) You know, that story about your friend, his name escapes me at the moment. The one about him throwing up a rainbow on the wall cracked me up so bad, it was good. Hey, Mr. Brad, that was you, right? Mm-hmm. That sure was. It was Mr. Brad. 
it wasn't on the wall. It was directly into the street. It was straight across the <laughs> straight across the sidewalk. <laughs> it was like a flamethrower or a vomit. It was amazing. I haven't yet heard a sample of that woman with the megaphone yet, and hope you can catch a, a sample for us soon. Well, school's out, so we're going to have to wait till September. I got some of her, but every time I'm out there, she all of a sudden gets quiet. Thank you, Bradford. Oh, wait, there she is right now. Hey, Brad. <laughs> no, that was just Bradford. Uh, Tony continues. I would like to recommend the movie Buried Alive. It's a creepy movie about a husband and wife who move into a new town, and the wife is unhappy. Aren't they always? Ugh. Well, the wife is seeing another man. <sighs> and the two of them hatch a plan to kill her husband and sell his business. Well... <laughs> The Giggle Putch just, like, commented that if... Uh, forget it. The Giggle Patch was amused. Well, everything goes smoothly until the husband rises from his grave, like they do, and seeks revenge on his wife and her accomplice, as well he should. I kind of narrowed the movie down into a few sentences, but you will probably enjoy it. Now I'm going to pause here just for a second because I wrote Tony back to find out which version of Buried Alive he was talking about because there's been several. I think it was even an Alfred Hitchcock Presents story in a, or something, or Tales of the Dark Side. That's a very traditional horror story and I remember I think there was a, the one I remember most I think it was a TV movie with Ali Shitty who is my favorite actress in the whole world hi I'm Ali Shitty and I'm here to talk to you about socks like if you're having socks well like he's a condom but if you're not having socks oh I totally don't do it I love Ali Shitty and <laughs> Is she here? Is Ali Shady out there? Is she listening? Anyway, he's uh, he's he's not sure. He wrote me back. He's not sure what version he's talking about. But it's a good story in general. I've, I haven't seen a bad version of it. But anyway, 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 back to your letter. I hope you get this, as I am not entirely sure that I copied down your address correctly. You did it, but if it bounces, I'll know why. Hopefully, you will keep doing your shows for a very long time to come. Meow, meow. Tony the Cuddly Tiger. Check out my new blog, wisdom.treasury.blogspot.com. P.S. You weren't serious about stroking it in front of the microphone, were you? I'm gay also, so that's cool. Well, I... <laughs> well, Tony... <laughs> I don't know how to react. I <laughs> so if you weren't gay, it wouldn't have been cool. Just you. It would have been okay for everybody. <laughs> um, yes, I'm sitting here stroking it for Tony. The rest of you just just pay attention. Just, just 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 pretend I'm not doing anything. You don't hear anything. That's disgusting. Tony, you just grossed me out. You just made me very uncomfortable. And that's an awesome feeling. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Tony. Yeah, so did the rest of you feel bad now? Huh? Just leaving me alone? Well, there are a couple of people to talk to, but you know what? They were both awesome. And as Abby Lee Miller always says, everyone's replaceable, which I don't know how that fits here at all. But anyway, some of you are probably wondering, hey... What happened to the Evil Under the Sun review that you promised us with the elusive Doug Shapiro and the super sexy Trey Dean from Houston? Well, I'll tell you, it happened. Uh, there were some technical problems. 
There were several versions of technical problems, but this latest batch of technical problems, shut up, Bradford, is fixable. It's going to take me a while, so I decided to move it to the next episode. Plus, we yacked for a long time. It's like an hour of 20 minutes of sheer gay carnival craziness. So, in order to give you the best experience, and in a nice compact way, because I know... Seder from the Seder sphere be like, oh my god, this show is so long. Why is it so long? Because I'm big and long. I don't know. I got nothing. But you know what? It gives you plenty of time to play along at home. That's the Evil Under the Sun 1982 version with Peter Ustinov as Hercule Poirot, Maggie Smith, and Diana Rigg. And if you are a gay man with any sense of humor who has not seen this movie, it is required viewing. As for the rest of you... It's still required viewing. It's a great murder mystery, and it's tons and tons of fun, and there's no excuse for you not being able to play along. So when you're listening to it at home and you have no idea what we're talking about, we're all over the place, and you didn't watch the movie? Too bad. Sorry! What? Bradford, what was that? I said grab your meat and stay away from the microphone. Bradford said grab your meat and stay away from the microphone. I don't know what that has to do with you listeners, but, you know. (laughs) This show just got really weird. Okay, so... If you want to call in or write in, you can do so at 347-767-3509. You can write at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens, also with a Z. And you can listen to me on a whole bunch of other things like Stitcher and Podcaster and not Podcaster, Podkicker and just about any goddamn mobile device that you can. And you know what? Here's a homework assignment for you. Tell a friend about the show. Say, hey, you, listen to this. Do it now. Spread the word. Spread the love. Spread your ass. Because here I come. Whoa, yes I did. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, if we haven't wrapped up by now, we really got to do so immediately before this gets any weirder. So, so until next time, my beautiful weird children, my beautiful screamers, continue to wake the world a creepier place. And remember... As my grandmama used to say, Boy, be careful when you're out on that fire island. Those nude beaches sure can be dangerous. Why, I went to one once, and I got so much sand up in my clam, it made an oyster. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>